Welcome back to That Rugby Podcast. Myself, Luke, Husey, my man G'day. on the other side of the camera. Yes. How are we going, my friend? Uh, I, a minute, minute kind of week for rugby, I guess. Uh, only the four games played in Super Rugby. I should say yeah. for, for the South Southern Hemisphere, not in South Africa as well, um, because obviously Europe is heating up with their Champions Cup and everything. But for us, uh, a quiet week on, on the news front, I'd say. Uh, yeah, especially for Waratahs fans, I guess, like myself, you know, not much coming out of that uh, that side of rugby. I think other other states, other super Australian super rugby teams have had a very interesting week. And I'm sure we'll get to, to touch on that. But I guess for the most important team in super rugby, the New South Wales Waratahs, <laughs> uh, not much going on this week. So, uh, But then again, we, they've had a couple of uh, busy weeks, so they deserve a week off, you know. Um, a thriller last week against the Brumbies, you know, the Suoliti signing, uh, Jorgensen's extension, getting talked about all that. There's a lot of lot of talk for the New South Wales Waratahs at the moment. Coleman probably is glad of a, a week off to recharge and reset, uh, heading into a very important back half of the season. Yeah, I feel like we, our two teams have had the opposite of halves um, mm-hmm. because – I feel like you've played just about every good team, whereas we've actually played every very average team. I actually looked at the table, and if you look at the table, actually, I'm going to bring it up. Give me two seconds mm-hmm. to bring it up, because I was looking at this the other day when I saw the Hurricanes win. So we had beaten Minor Pacifica, who are obviously 12th um, at the moment. Bottom. We beat the Waratahs, who are second from bottom. Second bottom at the moment. We beat the Force. There's still a very good point differential, though. Like, I'm looking at point differential. <laughs> that makes Every... me so mad. <laughs> Every <laughs> single episode, he'll go back to the point differential. I get it, though. I do I... get it, yeah. Yeah. Like, if you look compare, you're the... It's 30 you're points a... better than everyone else. You're, yeah, there. you're 11 points, 11th place, and you've got a better points differential than 6th place. But... Let's yeah. back to my point. So we've beaten Minor Pacific 12th, Waratahs 11th, Force who are 10th, the Rebels who are 9th, the Reds yeah. who are 8th, and the Behind Highlanders who are 6th. Six. Six. Wait, was it 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6? So these are our 6 wins, and we lost to the Blues who are 5th. So we yeah. haven't played the 7th, <laughs> and then 4, 3, 2, we haven't played them yet. So yeah. I, I, I put I put I put in our run sheet that let's call the fight over, let's call the competition yep. over because the Hurricanes are on top, even though we've had a game more than the Brum uh, than the Chiefs, should I say? Uh, yeah, I, I must say I'm I'm not unhappy where we are because, like you've always said, you've got to beat the teams in front of you, and we've done that yep. so far. But I think yeah, some challenges on the way for the Hurricanes, especially when we look at it from a Waratahs point of view. Like you have to, from the start of the season, where you've played a number of good teams. Other than I guess I think the Rebels and the Dura, uh, you've played probably the top four teams. We've played the Hurricanes, we've played the Chiefs, we've played the Brumbies twice. We haven't played the Crusaders yet, haven't played the Blues yet, haven't played the Highlanders yet. Have played the Dura twice, haven't played the Reds, have played the Rebels, and that's it. So far, so twice. Uh, no, sorry, we're playing. We've got the Dura coming up for a second time. Sorry, yeah, it was was the Brumbies twice. Yeah, yeah, if you think about it, you've played the Brumbies again, top two team, uh, Hurricanes. Yeah, we we played one, two, three, three, um, seven, nine. Yeah, so it it feels like we're on opposite sides of the world at the moment because, yeah, obviously, the Hurricanes with the easy schedule and taking care of the easy schedule, you guys with the harder schedule haven't been able to unfortunately pick up many wins. It's yeah. now going to obviously switch. We're coming to the halfway point of the competition. Uh, mm. So 
tough. I guess it's hard for you, harder for you guys to look on the outset and go, "Oh my God, we've got you know the easiest start of the uh, easiest draw now." But you've still got to win those games. Whereas we've still got a it. couple of tough ones in there. There's yeah, no I mistake mean. about it. Like the Crusaders, the Blues, um, even the Rebels. Although the Rebels are starting to show some cracks, I guess. Um, but yeah, there's there's no and even the Dura are above us at the table at the moment. So no, I don't think any give me wins. Uh, but this is where the Waratahs have got to switch on. Uh, switch on now. Uh, yep. And their upcoming match, who have they got uh, this week? They've got the Force. Force. Look, yep. must win. Must yep. win. Must win. Hey, the, if the Waratahs don't win this game, I'm I'm putting a fork in them. I draw a line this season, failed season, and a disappointing year if they lose this one. This It is this week. This is the week that it counts. Exactly halfway through I'm, the season. I'm not going to go as far. If they lose this game, I'm not going to go as far because they can still come back, I think. Because... Say they lose this game, but then they make the finals, and then let's say they win two finals game. It's a successful season. Yeah, but for, look for sure. But, I, I, but basically, what I'm saying is, if they lose this game, I think the chances of them doing that are significantly are lower. Yep. I think they they have a significantly lower chance of making the finals. And this is played in New South Wales as well. Like they need to uh, to win this game uh, uh, in in home territory, basically. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're not wrong. Uh, shall we talk about that team that you mentioned at the start of this podcast, which is the Queensland Reds, yes. who are in all sorts. And I I don't want to go too near my horn, as I quite often do with this podcast, with how normally right I am. Um, but the Queensland Reds are in a shambles. They're a shambles. Yes. Let's, let's not lie. From where they were when they won the Australian Super Rugby competition to where they are now with... Being beaten at home by 25-ish points against the Brumbies, mm-hmm. it's the nightmare that I saw coming. I said Brad Fawn. I Again, this isn't me being judgmental of any of the players in the Reds or even Brad Fawn as a coach. I just think, being there since 2017, he took them as far as they were going to get. Yeah. And as much as the players will say then it's not, got nothing to do with them, they've probably stopped responding to him, not in a negative way where they're just blanked them out, but, you know, there's a limit to everything that I think anyone can go through with a coach, and six years yeah. is a long time when you look at it, so I just, it's, yeah. well, When you're playing on a losing roster, uh, like, the coach could say all sorts of things, but you're right, you do sort of tune them out, uh, and not necessarily even because the coach is a bad coach, but because clearly what he's saying isn't resonating with some of the players on the team, might not be resonating with you, and so you think that no matter what the coach is saying, it's not going to make a difference, which is, which is tough. And yeah, I think you're right. I think the partnership has gone as far as it's going to go. And now it's time for it to end and for both parties to move on to something new. It's just time for a refresh. Like the, the, the difference in the squads between when he came on board and now is immense as well. Um, I think there was some good individual showings from the Reds, uh, particularly from Tate McDermott. And I think it's worth mentioning his name, especially after he was left out of the uh, Wallabies camp squad. Uh, you know, responding in the best way possible in exactly the way that Eddie Jones would have wanted him to respond. Um, but at the end of the day, the Brumbies get the win and uh, individual effort as well is not going to necessarily get you into the Wallaby squad. What's going to get you in is your team winning because that's what Eddie Jones has said is that the the, the biggest thing is not going close against New Zealand teams. It's beating the New Zealand teams, right? So you can be brilliant individual player, but if you're not getting your team across the line, your team isn't winning and uh, beating those New Zealand teams or even beating the Brumbies, the top team uh, in the Australian competition, you're not going to get in. 
I mean, the week before, the Brumbies were taken literally to the final minute by the Waratahs in Canberra. In Canberra, right? In, you know, for ACT, right? Uh, uh, The Reds, you know, with... You know, in Queensland, where they've they had a great record against the Brumbies, had an, an undefeated streak for a long time, and to get crushed by to have to be lapped because the Brumbies won fifty-two to twenty-four. So they they even if yeah they they more than doubled their points. Like that's just an embarrassing statistic, right? Yep. That's that's embarrassing. Uh, it's it's not a good look for for anyone on that team for anyone, no matter how individually brilliant you might have played. It's not a good look for for anyone on there. Uh, because one of the key things and one of the, I guess, big criticisms of uh, Super Rugby by Northern Hemisphere teams is the lack of defense or the defensive efforts aren't as strong as the Northern Hemisphere. And so you can show all the attacking flair that you want, but at the end of the day, what's going to beat New Zealand and what's going to beat those Northern Hemisphere teams is defense. Yeah, totally. And 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 talking about, I guess, beating New Zealand teams, um, as Eddie Jones put it, a player who did make the Australian squad, Carter Gordon, uh, his mm. Rebels, again, a, a first half, 17-13 at halftime, and to lose 54-17 yeah. in the second half. Is, Capitulation. Now, I know I understand, and, and, and this is this is kind of getting us onto our next point of injuries, because the Rebels did lose both hookers and were actually ended mm. up in a Goldie's Oldie situation, uh, which I imagine doesn't happen often uh, in, in professional rugby these days. But it's becoming to that point with injuries where it's a massive statement mm. to be injured at this point. So, like, we've heard the news out of the Sharks camp with Ibn Etzebeth being injured. Uh, Jordan Ulisse obviously was the first one to walk off with the Melbourne Rebels in the hooking position, who was selected in that uh, mm. Australian squad. Then you had um, Alex Murphy, I think it is, uh, who hobbled off with a hand injury after him. I just, 151 days mm. out, we're from the World Cup now. 21-ish weeks, so under five months. You know, an ACL tier, your World Cup is over, guaranteed. Yeah. Like we can say that. Uh, shoulder reconstruction, anything like that, that's going to put you out for three, four months, a very good chance unless you're a superstar that you're probably not going to be in the squad. I, I just looked up and, and, and they did a report where um, in English professional rugby, the injuries um, that they had, an average time of loss was 18 up to about 27 days for their average time loss to injuries and injury during the season. So now we, as we get closer and closer to the World Cup, like that might not be a bigger problem losing about you know three to four weeks but you do that in you know one or two more months time and then Eddie Jones has got to think where the match fitnesses are I I was running through it you know you've got Isaac Rodder at the moment who's out injured still hasn't played I think a game for Super Rugby yet Rob Liotta another one you know was named Melbourne captain hasn't played Taniella Tupo we talked about Angus Bell all going to be starting to race against the Croc it's going to be really interesting I think the end of the Super Rugby competition into that rugby championship how players get managed, and I know there's yeah. both teams are doing it with managing. You know, you can't play this many games. You got to do this, got to do that. But an injury can be crucial now for your chances. And 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 there's no news on Eben Etzebeth as he, if he's going to be actually ready for the World Cup. And that's a massive loss. Like I was just in there, like yeah. that is a big loss for South Africa. Uh, um, imagine a, you know, Aaron Smith or an Adi Savia was to do something. You you know you. you you start to doubt a lot of things. So it's, it's an interesting time, I guess. Injuries, got to be watchful of that. Absolutely. It is coming down to, it's very interesting to see, you know, having Super Rugby and Rugby Championship in the World Cup 
for all those reasons, you know, injury management, and you, you got to be wondering if Eddie Jones is whispering in a few coaches ears saying, you know, cut this guy's minutes down. I want him for the world cup kind of thing. And um, how much stock those coaches have to put into that. Uh, there's yeah, it is, is a very interesting situation, especially I think for the, for the Wallabies because they've got, they do have so many question marks uh, around the, the pitch with a new coach, right. And how it, and we don't know sort of where Eddie's thinking is going to be. We don't know who the, there's no enshrined players under Eddie Jones at this point, right? There's no one in the current Wallabies that has played for Eddie Jones before, right? because obviously his tenure was so long ago. So there's no loyalty essentially to the, if from the coach's perspective, it's a completely open slate. And so if you're injured and you, you know, you're someone like a Michael Hooper or Angus Bell or Taniela Tupa, you're injured and you're not available. Eddie Jones might just look past you um, and bring on some younger players, some more unknowns and, yeah, it's going to be real interesting when it comes down to uh, the time for the World Cup squad to be actually selected. Yeah, and I, I mean, you said it last week when we were talking about Rory Arnold, you've got to be playing rugby. And at what point exactly. is it too late? Can't be making trucks. Exactly. Too too late to be playing rugby and making trucks yeah. or sitting on the sideline injured. And, and, you know, as we've said before, availability is the best ability. It, it, it just 100%. is. Like, if you're not there, you can't can't make your name to yourself. So I just thought that was a, it's an interesting perspective. I did... I, I, I heard rumours about this, um, and I think there was a story that broke it probably about a month ago now, but they were looking into changing the rugby championship and the Super Rugby over, the schedule, so the rugby championship yeah. would happen earlier in the year and Super Rugby later. What were, what's and it's your so similar to the Six Nations. Yeah, it's exactly. like So it happens around a similar time. Of I, I actually quite like that, right, because it's a similar... Uh, I think it works. it works well for the... Um, South Africans as well as the Australian and New Zealanders, right? Because South Africans are going, they're playing in the European championship and, and things like that. Now um, they're, I guess, English, French, Irish, Welsh, Scottish counterparts, Italian counterparts have all been uh, a lot of their star players have been playing rugby before uh, those, those competitions kick off with the six nations. So then they get a chance to, um, to get some chemistry going with some of their other players and things like that. I think for Australian rugby, I think it's, it's really good as well. I think it's starting off a year with international matches generates more interest than sort of having them in the middle of the year towards the end of the year. Right. I think spacing it out across the year is really great. Right. Um, and you're not competing with rugby league at that time totally. of year either, you know, uh, or AFL, right. You're competing with your, Big Bash and cricket and uh, other stuff like that. I think it's a fantastic opportunity, and I think it makes the competition a lot more interesting uh, for the rugby championship. And it gives the coach more of a chance to work as well. Like you have this champion, uh, the rugby championship at the start of the year. You get a good look at the players, right? Uh, and then you see them throughout Super Rugby how they participate there, and then you can come back for your end of year tours. Uh, and everything like that as well. And then you've got uh, you, the from the you, you well. almost sort of flip it. You have the end of your tours to look at your players. All right, get them ready for the rugby championship. You've got sort of a, then a break up until the rugby championship. Less players less likely to be injured or they've got time to recover and things like that. Go into camp. You spend time bonding with them. I, I mean, I'm a fan of the move, and it's it means the rugby calendar is aligned northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere as well. So I think it's a I think it is a it's a good opportunity. 
Yeah, I, I I would be interested in them releasing like a schedule to say this is an example of what it would look like and mm. actually, yeah, be able to make a good opinion on it. Because I think it, it could really work well too. Like, you know, there's a, a very good chance, like you said, it goes rugby championship at the start of the season. Then we go into uh, Super Rugby, take a break in the middle of Super Rugby for those July tests mm-hmm. and then end of year international rugby again. You're competing less with league. Um, with those early international games, building the hype, everything you've just said, mate, it was, yeah, uh, Absolutely. I, I see it working. Talking about some of those South African teams, as you said, you know, missing the boat a little bit after a Six Nations that, you know, mm-hmm. players got ready. Uh, the South African teams knocked out of Champions Cup um, and all European football with the Lions losing as well. I think it's in the mm-hmm. European competition. Um, so, yeah, South Africa... Uh, as strong as their first year has been, uh, the Sharks and the Stormers knocked out this yep. weekend. Um, and so now we see, I think it's Leinster versus Toulouse. Uh, it is. Leinster versus Toulouse and La Rochelle versus Exeter. Exeter. So, yeah, Leinster, honestly, Leinster's a, a carbon copy of the Irish team, just about like. Yeah. I watched the highlights of their win against Leicester. Uh and yeah, they're they're they're. I can see why they're favourites to take it out because they are a yeah a carbon copy of their Irish team, just in the way they play and the way the team's built. Uh, you know, with the amount of Irish superstars they have in there. Um, but it'll be good Irish against France and then France against England. It's a it's going to be a good competition uh, to to round out the Champions Cup. Talking Absolutely. about two French teams, the French just dropped their kit for the Rugby World Cup. My friend, what are your opinions on this kit? Uh, I took a brief little look at it before the uh, before the podcast. Um, I, I like it. I like a bit of the... So in the Six Nations, they had the um, the all blue. Uh, le, le bleu, uh, and it was... I mean, it's not bad, but I do like the white shorts. I think it's a bit of a... Uh, it feels more classically French, you know, whereas I think the all blue is kind of, it reminds me a bit of the Italians, I guess. Um, The only thing with this one is then it's now sort of similar to the Scottish uniform, but you're going to find that. Look, countries have all got, look, red, white, and blue is a very common, um, I guess, color system for countries. Uh, But I like it. You know, you've got the uh, Le Coq Sportif on the breast and everything like that. yeah, I quite like it. Um, I think it's uh, like a good spread of, of colours. And, uh, yeah, it just sort of feels a bit more French yeah, to me. I, okay, so let, let let me, I guess, express myself with this. I fucking hate them because they've done it this dark blue again. So it means that if we play them, when we play them, because we're in the same group, we'll have to wear either the, the grey, which I don't think we'll ever wear again because of mm. the, the past memories of the grey, so it'll be our white kit. Um, mm. And we are known as the All Blacks, so fuck them for that. I like the idea of a new kit for the Rugby World Cup like this, mm. like quite a change from what they had in the Six Nations. I think that's yeah. really cool. Um, and I'd like the All Blacks like to do something. Obviously, we're not going to have such a big change, but just yeah. something to really spike it, uh, spice it up for Rugby World Cup. Same with the Wallabies. I like the idea of hey, this is our World Cup kit, um, and it is something different, but something the same, if you know. I'd like it like a traditional-looking one, but it's different to the one that they currently wear and will wear in the Rugby Championship, like the French have done here. I do like that they've gone back to their style. I love the white one, I must say. Yeah. I think the white one is very um, 
spick. But yeah, I, I again, it's, it's just well, it's it's the only reason is that now that they clash with us is the only reason I hate it. I must say, and I mean it is the, it is the blue of their flag though, right? The lighter blue was not a real French blue. Like no, the French and blue was that dark totally. blue. Totally, but but again. I think they've done this because they know they have to play us in the pool games because they did that last time, Cusie. Mm. I'm just coming okay. close for all these fucking French out there. You know how much I hate you already. Right? Well, they did it because they had to remove their sponsor from the front of the jersey. Yes. Um, so they, they had to do. They had to redesign the jersey. Well, all anyway. of them have to re- remove it anyway. But um, yeah. it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see the rest of the team slowly release. I like the fact that the French went first um, as host yeah, nation. Host nation. Yeah. So it's, it's cool that, that that's come out. Um, so hopefully. Uh, so I, I imagine ours won't come up until after the rugby championship. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. I hope like you, people could see I'm wearing sort of the Indigenous alternate jersey of the Wallabies today. Uh, for those audio listeners, that I've just described it for you um, with the you know the dark green and the the uh, pattern, the Indigenous patterning and artwork on it. Now I don't want to see the dark green jersey at the World Cup, but I would like to see some more Indigenous representation on the jersey. I think that's a really um, important. Uh, part of Australian culture because, you know, one of the things that make the All Blacks so unique is the haka before the game is that um, integration of Maori culture into uh, the into the, the rugby um, rugby team. And I think the Wallabies uh, should do the same, you know, uh, if not learning some uh, Indigenous um, war dances or some Indigenous um, practices to do uh, before the game to really integrate that into the rugby team, but something simple as having the indigenous artwork on the jerseys, I think is really important and I'd like to see that. And they're doing a good job of promoting that more and more. I think it makes the jerseys look a lot better. I think it makes it look a lot more um, Australian, uh, you know, because what you said before, we talk about the French jerseys is right. Like the all blacks are known as the all blacks. That is that all black uniform is now intrinsically associated with New Zealand rugby. Right. And so, I think Australian rugby has got the gold, yes, the Wallaby gold, but I think it can go a bit further in, in you know, bring in some of that Indigenous culture into it. You know, the uh, the gold jersey and the, the Wallabies and have, have, you know, Wallaby artwork on what, there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And what I'd like to see is the, the gold jersey um, all over and a green like slit on the armband with some white Indigenous um, yeah. design there. Just really simple... Um, you know, so it's it's a plain, you know, gold jersey. They've got a bit of green, you know, with yeah. all the cuffs and everything like that. And then you've just got that artwork, just like you said, to show who you are and represent who you are. I'm sure Absolutely. if we didn't if we didn't have a Maldi team, I'm sure there'd be a bit more um, Maldi representation onto the jerseys. But the fact that they've got the Maldi team, they probably leave it up yeah. to them. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the kits. I imagine um, we'll keep you up to date uh, with teams dropping the fast. Does anyone else wear a yellow kit or a gold kit? Romania might wear yellow, but that's about the only team. Let me have a look and see in the World Cup. Um, Spain, but that'd be more Spain. They're really sort of yellow and, yellow and red. red. Actually, so. they're not there. They got kicked out. So they're oh, not there you there. go. So for playing World an Cup unregistered t- player, who wasn't? Sorry? They were they were kicked out for playing an unregistered player. So he was ah, registered, well, but he was an actually Spanish, and they yeah. played him. And, I think in this World Cup, Romania would be probably the only one. I know South Africa, because they're sort of the reverse of Australia. They're um, they're they're the green and gold as well, but primarily green. Um, I don't know if they have a yellow kit or not. Actually, no, uh, I don't think but, they would. Yeah, 
So they were really just Australia. As yeah. Anyway, I was just thinking because you said you don't want to bring the green back if you'd ever be made to wear the green. Um, yeah, I just I, not for a World Cup. I don't mind it for rugby championship and things definitely. like that, uh, but just not for the World Cup. Fair enough. Uh, shall we move on talking about mm-hmm. World Cups, 2027 World Cup on home soil? You've signed Joseph Suali. Uh, now I'm going to ask you, Husey, five more NRL players that are on your hit list, Husey. Just My you, hit list. Not Eddie yes. Jones, your Look, well, I, I think Eddie Jones and I are similarly uh, <laughs> got similar rugby acumen, uh, similar, uh, you know, brains, I think. Uh, look, uh, I think it's probably going to be there's a few of these players on the list are going to be no surprise. Uh, but there is one that I think will really surprise you. All right. Now, this is this is not for the this is including this World Cup. I think the uh, one of them is not for the 2027 World Cup. One of them is for. This World Cup. This World Cup. Okay. This World Cup. Uh, and it's not It's not going to happen, but I think but, it would yeah. be really interesting to see this player signed. So number one player on the hit list is Cam Murray, right? Yeah. I don't think there's, you know, former rugby player, Australian schoolboys rugby, I think could be a great addition to the to the centers. I think he'd actually adapt very well to a, um, to a flanker type yeah, position as well. I legitimately yeah. about to say. I think I would actually go blindside flanker for him. Yeah. I reckon would be the... I could see, you could see him there position. as well. Yeah. Uh, Will Panasini, uh, connection with Joseph Suali'i as well. Uh, look, some some attacking flair are back. It's good to have. Uh, now, we frequently talk about the locking needs of Australia. Someone's already put his hand up for that. Big Nelson, he wants to come over. Why would you not want him to come over? Big towering lock like that. Someone who can look in the eyes of uh, the likes of uh, Eden Etzbe or uh, your uh, Brody Retallick and things like that. Um, and he's already, look, he's normally I wouldn't say because he is a Kiwi, but he said he wants to do it, right? He said yeah. he's open to Eddie Jones calling him. He's he's putting his loyalty there for Australia. So if he's yeah. willing, why not? Would be a good pickup for uh, the Rebels. Sorry? Would be a good pickup for the Rebels. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, number four, Matty Burton, right? Those big bombs, um, I could see him in a center position as well. Uh, he's already got a song about him that's going around, a very popular song. So we'll bring more fans to the game as well. Um, some youth as well. Uh, I could even see him in the in the 10 jersey potentially as well. Like I think he's got the attacking skills for that. Now, this last one uh, is for... Uh, he, w- he will not be around for the 2027 World Cup, or if he would be, he would be a bit too old for the team. But I was watching some of the Aussie halfbacks uh, during the week uh, and in previous weeks, and to say I'm not particularly inspired by any one of them. You know, like I actually think, um, and look, I, sh- I should have actually done my proper research here. Uh, the Moana Pacifica halfback, I thought was throwing some absolute dimes of uh, passes. And I was just looking at some of the uh, Aussie halfbacks and I really was not uh, that uh, inspired. I think it's... Edene? Ere Enari? Yeah, Enari, yeah. He plays for... Yeah, Caleb Clark's cousin. Um, <laughs> I believe it's Ere Enari. He's got the great hair as well. Yeah. Let me let me have a look. That would be him. I, I, believe, I believe it's him, yeah. Throwing some absolute bullet passes, you know, and right on the money as well. Um, and I was thinking the Wallabies, it's, it's not talked about as much as the 10 jersey, but I think halfback 
is someone that they could use some improvement. I think a, a player that could improve the Wallabies for the 2023 World Cup at the halfback position is a form halfback in the NRL who's also played hooker. He's played state of origin level, right? He's a Queenslander and he is from my St. George Dragons, Ben Hunt. I think he would be an excellent halfback in rugby union because you watch the effort he puts in on defense. I reckon he's a better defender than most super rugby halfbacks and most wallaby halfbacks because he puts his body on the line every time and he takes down guys like Nelson in one-on-one tackling situations. I think, and because he's got that hooker halfback in the NRL utility experience, I reckon he'd be a great rugby union halfback. Now, I think for the 2027 World Cup, bit too far down the track. But for the 2023 World Cup, let's say some – look, he's already – this is this is my crackpot scientist theory going here, right? <laughs> he's already hitched his wagon to Anthony Griffin and said to the Dragons, put your faith in Anthony Griffin, put your faith in uh, the team, and we'll come through for you. And St. George of the World Dragons have told Anthony Griffin, you need to reapply for your own job because we're going to be interviewing other people, and you need to beat them out to keep your job. So the Dragons obviously haven't listened to Ben Hunt whatsoever there, and he's the captain of the team. Let's say he becomes disillusioned with that – because of uh, the way the Dragons management have been handling the team, been handling the coach, have been handling someone who is his uh, good friend. Ben Hunt decides, you know what? I'm, let me call up Eddie Jones here. Let me tell him, hey, Eddie, look, you guys need a halfback. No one's playing particularly well in the Australian halfbacking position right now. Not as good as I can play, right? Give me a chance. Bring me on board. I will I will show you what I do. I'll walk out on this contract uh, for the Dragons this year, and I'll slot right in. Wherever you want to send me, send me there. I'm in New South Wales. I can join the Waratahs. I'm a Queenslander. I'll go up to Queensland. I've got some mates down in Melbourne. I'll go live in Melbourne. Western Australia, why not? Uh, ACT, why not? And he slots in there at the halfback position. You Tell me, who who would you fear more? Ben Hunt at, in the Wallabies at halfback or any of the current halfbacks? Ben Hunt, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Ben Hunt. So yeah, honestly, not for the 2027 World Cup. He'd be 37 then. He's just turned 33. He's got the gamesmanship. He's got the individual running ability. He's got a kicking game. His passing is crisp, and he's a great defender. I what, mean, w- yeah. what could you want out of your halfback? I mean, that's and that's it's incredible to think because I had no idea who you were going to say, but that would be a really interesting prospect. The way he played on the weekend for your yeah. Dragons against my Titans was incredible, and that, yeah. that's the thing. I could even just about picture him being the most ultimate utility who could play nine and ten because he, yeah. as we've seen him in the halves, he can. He could. He's one of the best running tens in the game, and like you said, I would. Yeah, man, he could put. He could learn box kicking like that as well. Like yeah. his kicks are fantastic. So, ah, uh, that's not a bad shout. I imagine. I know. You know what? I like your I mad scientists. Mad scientists come together. Anthony Griffin gets offered a coaching gig by Eddie Jones. Yeah. And and there you I, look, go. I needed. I needed to put some spice in there for you. Like the other four. <laughs> Well, have all been talked about by Eddie already. I mean, that makes sense. They're logical. But on this podcast, we do things differently. I needed to put a little bit of that Husey magic in there uh, <laughs> to give you something for those Instagram reels and TikToks uh, <laughs> that everyone loves so much. And I think that one, I mean, it's a good talking point. I mean, you even said if, if Ben Hunt chucked on a Wallabies jersey for this year's Bledisloe Cup, I think he'd do a better job than pretty much any other Australian halfback that's there at the moment. Fair enough. Fair enough. To finish off today, uh, talking about World Cup and this year's World Cup, uh, I've put on the topics. Uh, a bolter for the World Cup squad in 2023 mm. in f- under five months' time now. Mm. I shall start for the All Blacks bolter. Um, my All Blacks bolter is pretty easy, I think. 
It's Cam Roygaard. Cam Roygaard yeah. is playing out of his skin for the Hurricanes. And what I've kind of attached to Cam Roygaard is I think as far as the Hurricanes go this year is the more and more his stock's going to go. So yeah. if he can carry this Hurricane squad to even a, a, a grand final or a semi-final and a tough loss in a semi-final, I think he goes in there as a third halfback choice because currently you've got Aaron Smith and Finlay Christie, I think, are the two that are locked down. Uh, I look at the Crusaders' halves and I'm not that impressed. The Chiefs' half, Brad Weber, definitely has a, an opportunity with the way the Chiefs are playing at the moment. Um, but I just see the way Cam Regard is lifting his game to the next level. With no TJ Perinara behind him, I just I just go, I wouldn't say the Hurricanes have the best pick in the comp, um, but what he's doing is just fantastic. So I, I, I can see him making a push for that third spot, uh, getting an opportunity maybe in the rugby championship, and if he takes that, I can definitely see him in the All Blacks come 2023 Rugby World Cup time. And I think he'd do a job. I think he'd do a bloody good job. I think mine is fairly easy as well. I, I think it, it's it's everyone's the name on everyone's lips, the bolter for everyone, Max Jorgensen, right? <laughs> I mean, I just I don't I don't. You look at the he's already in the camp team with Eddie Jones. Uh, there's a number of other names I did consider, you know, like a Car, Carter Gordon or Blake Shoup as well, uh, some uncapped players. But I, I think at the end of the day, right, he's he's not only a good player, but he's a good marketing tool as well. Uh, and I think, but I think he embodies uh, a lot of toughness as well uh, for someone that's a bit smaller. Like he's not a massive bloke, but uh, he he's playing superbly well. And I think I, I'm really surprised that there's not more chat about Corey Tool as well for the Brumbies, who's been playing absolutely fantastic for them. Has played sevens as well. I think his height counts against him uh, a lot, but he's showing time and time again that speed kills, speed and skill kills and Jorgensen's doing the same thing. Uh, but Jorgensen, I think is the more obvious bolter and the more likely, uh, of the two. What position are you having him play? Fullback. Fullback. So I think you have Corabetti one wing, Nwangani Tawase, the other again, wing. And again, let's, I'm not saying you have to put him in your starting team, but there's 31 yeah. players can go to the rugby world cup. Uh, and last, last rugby world cup, the Australians selected two halfbacks so that they could select four wingers. Mm. Um, I read this because I was reading an article just yesterday about this, and the All Blacks went the other way. We had three halfbacks, so three wingers, and then you have two fullbacks. So I looked at it. You've got. Let's say we do the same thing again. You only take two halfbacks to this World Cup. You've got four wingers and two fullbacks to choose from. I think you go. You've got two of the names you said there: Kordabeti and Callaway. No, I'm going to need to. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Callaway, Callaway's there as well. I uh, think, and then no, no one need to say. Yeah. So those three there. Then I think you've got Jordan Pattaya, Tom Wright, Reese yeah. Hodge. So my question then is, who does he come over for those other? Because you've got those three. Retired at outside center. At outside center. So then, yeah, you would take. Then you have. I would have, and it, so the thing is, is well, okay. So Nwangani Tawasa and Korobete are pure wingers, yeah. right? You take Callaway as long because he's also got fullback versatility. You take Hodgelin because he's a safe, safe bet, right? Well, yep. You've got Pattaya at outside center, but he's also got versatility to go to fullback. And I think you take Jorgensen along as a fullback who's also got versatility to go winger. And then probably like a Tom Wright who's the exact same. Exactly. Oh, okay, yeah, no, that, that's fair enough. Like, that was just, it was more the who are you dropping there. But if you put Pattaya into the centers, 
You're taking Karivi, Akatel, and probably Fakiti as Fikiti. well. So there's. I think yeah. Parisi Parisi misses out. He hasn't think, had such a good year, has he? No, but, I, he's like, he's coming back from a severe exactly. injury. I think people yeah, forget it. So I think yeah. I think honestly, it's I it's a toss up for me between Ikitao and Fakiti um, as the sort of backup to Karevi. Like Karevi's the penciled in number one twelve if he's if he's there. You know, if he's not injured, right? But Ikitao starts at outside center, surely. You, yeah, you are. Yes, sorry, you're right. I, so, so then Fakiti would, would say, be your backup twelve, and then Fakiti would be backup twelve. Tire starting 13, Ikatao 13, right? Yeah. Well, yes. yes. You're just Ikatao or Ikatao, whoever yeah. you are. I would, I would, in my mind right now, Ikatao's the starting 13 for you guys. I would, Pataya, yeah. again, Pataya, like you said, you can put him at 23. He can play outside centre, wing, and yes. fullback. You know, you've got the best of all worlds there. So. 100%. No. He can slot him where he's needed there. Okay, cool. um, I was just making sure I, we had some relevance to your yeah. alter. Like, he, how was he going to fit into the Has squad? He, is he, 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 I think he, he's one of those players you find a position for, find right? Position where for you, you put yeah. him at wing, you put him at fullback. But I, I could see, like, sort of a starting Wallabies back line at the moment based on sort of, not, not in, and I'm not going to, I'm not, these include plays not on uh, Eddie Jones's camp list, but I'd say nine at the moment. Your starting nine is probably Nick White. Has to be, yeah. Probably Nick White and probably Tate McDermott on the bench. Yep. Um, your ten is probably Quaid. Yep. Um, you know, uh, I think Noah did a good job this week to sort of show up Eddie Jones, but I don't think I think. Quaid's probably your first choice, depending on how he comes back from his injury, depending on his health and his availability, exactly, yep. right? Your 12 is Karevi. Your 13 is Ikatao Pattaya. Toss up there. I think Ikatao, though, is he's, because he's on the team that's beating New Zealanders and he's on the top team, you probably give him the nod based on form. Uh, 11 and 14, uh, Nwanganitawase and Korobete, or I could equally see Kellaway and Korobete. I see wingers. I, I, Marik is one of them. And then... Yep. Callaway or the one to say. And then 15 is Jorgensen. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I just good justification for your bolter and him making it and then even potentially making the squad, like you said. Yeah. Um, like I don't think Cam Ruigard and my bolter is probably pushing himself into the, the top jersey, but Jorgensen, uh, a bit more of an open spot, that fullback jersey, definitely for the Aussies. I think, I think it's because as well, I think Tom Wright, we sort of seen what he can offer yep. from the fullback position. I don't think, I think wings a better position from him than fullback. Um, and I don't think he's as good a winger as Corbete, Kilaway and Nwangani Tawase. I think he offers you someone who's serviceable at fullback and at wing, and you can you bring him along because then he can cover two spots in case of injury. Right. And you're not going to be playing someone super out of position. But I don't think he's a starter. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not going to make you argue that point yet until we get closer to Rugby World Cup squad uh, time, and then we'll mm. definitely discuss the squads in a bit more depth. Uh, that is us for today on the Rugby Podcast. We have mm-hmm. covered everything. Like I said, a bit of a, a lesser extent of news in the week. Um, but we will be back again next week with a full round of Super Rugby, I believe. Uh, and much, much more. But for now, thank you for joining us. I, it's just, it's no, it's another, it's another short round. It, the next, the next two rounds are short rounds as well. Oh. And then when we come to our um, 
commentary night is the next full round of Super Rugby. Twenty eighth, the next full round of Super Rugby. All right, so uh, the Hurricanes play again. So gosh, mm-hmm. all right. Um, the week after is when you've got your your yeah, break. Got okay, nice, excellent. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, I've been Luke. Uh, that has been Fusey, that man right there in the Wallabies jersey, although you can't see him if you're listening to us. Um, but thank you for joining us. They can we, feel me. We, <laughs> we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Peace.